welcome to the latest edition of the Jairs Net Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 194 of the flagship show here on a Sunday. Uh, I'm your host tonight. I'm Colin Armstrong. So say every week, guys, it's not just a podcast that we have here at Jairs Net. You can get onto the website. They've got the forums there. There's articles, match previews, all that kind of stuff. Frankie's obviously got his social media. Uh, there's a history archive on the website there as well. So get yourself onto that. Uh, we would ask you to uh, promote the pod and, and subscribe to the U channel, uh, YouTube channel as well. It's easy for me to say. Uh, so yeah, if you could do that, that would be great. Get the word out there and let everybody know what we're doing. Uh, before I move on and, and introduce my guests, I have to mention our partners uh Forest Precision Engineering, uh, who are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. Uh, they have a, been a big commercial supporter of the club for a number of years. Uh, you can get them on the website at www.forestprecisioning.com. They also have a, a fantastic a new hospitality area within the main stand. If you want to visit that, get yourself on the Rangers website and, and email hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, so on to my guest for this evening. Uh, I'll bring in Chris first because he's uh, he's he's been on the, the, the pod before, uh, before I'll introduce our special guest tonight. Uh, and how are you, Chris? Not too bad, Colin. How are we? Not bad, not bad. Uh, de- decent, decent uh, weekend in terms of the football, other than uh, that result today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're looking good. Uh, good result through the week, which we'll go on and talk about, you know, the Champions League, all that kind of stuff. So are you looking forward to your, uh, your jaunts abroad? Yes, as I was saying to Frankie just when I came on there, I just had a quick uh, phone call with the guys in the office to try and sort the uh, try and sort the group stages. So, uh, and unfortunately, there's more uh, more demand than there is uh, going to be tickets available for these ones. Unfortunately, but hope, hoping to get to certainly get to Amsterdam uh, for the first one, and then hopefully try and get to, get to Anfield as well. So, uh, all, all these games just a brilliant Wednesday. Uh, so look forward to some great tips in there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a few Rangers fans heading along as well. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get to Anfield. I might have a ticket, uh, so I'll, I'll see how that gets on. So I might see you in there. Who knows? Uh, so on on to our special guest, uh, someone who's living the dream, uh, someone who grew up supporting the club and is now playing for the club. Uh, it's the captain of the women's team, uh, Catherine Hill. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Looking forward to being on. It's exciting. You sure? <laughs> well, I'll I'll say that again at the end of the show. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Uh, but like before we go on and, and talk about the weekend stuff and and, and Rangers getting the Champions League, we should we should talk about what you are doing over at the women's team there, doing well in the league and and also doing well in the Champions League, a, a good result against. I always struggle to say this. Is it Ferran Ferran's Varos? Yeah, I think you yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, first time for the Champions League for the women's team, so we didn't really know what to expect. Um, we had two tough games over there in the heat against Ferran's Varos and then Pauk, but. Um, two wins and through to the the playoffs, so we're waiting on the drawing. It's the exciting time for the club, Champions League for the men, obviously, and hopefully we can take that next step as well. Yeah, it'd be good. And and from a personal point of view, Catherine, you know, uh, you know, you, you are someone who grew up supporting the club. I've seen you know some of your your stuff in social media, posting photos of yourself as a youngster with Rangers tops and all that on. You know, you are literally living the dream. You know, I suppose the question I'm coming to here is, is what's it like to play for the Rangers? Yes, it's been amazing. Obviously, I was at Rangers a long time ago when I was younger, kind of on the 17s, then women's squad before I moved to America, then Durham. But it wasn't professional that time. So now that I've come back and it's, it's fully professional and, 
you know, just the, the way the women's programmes run now is, is brilliant and you can see why they had success last year um, with everything that they provide us with. So it's amazing, um, you know, obviously driving into the training centre every day and, and seeing the Rangers badge and stuff, um, you do have to pinch yourself. But at the same time, it just kind of makes you appreciate every single day that you're doing that. And obviously, I just want to be successful in my time here. Yeah, and, and obviously you wear the armband as well. You, you must take up a, a huge amount of pride in that. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, obviously, I just came back in the summer and I think the good thing about our team is we've got so many leaders, so I'm obviously the lucky one, if you like, that gets to wear the armband, but as a case of having so many leaders in the team and, and that's why it's been so easy for me coming back in as well. Um, so I don't think it's just down to me. There's, there's so many experienced players as well in that team and I think you're going to need that to be successful as well As, as a young lassie final question favourite player Barry Ferguson yes that's yeah, but I, I, I don't get the, I don't get the hatred for Barry I must admit or, not the hatred but he, he gets a bit of stick yeah he does I don't get it. I mean alright some of the stuff he says is a bit annoying but uh, I loved Barry as a player I thought he was I thought he was a different class yeah, first time round the Rangers I wore the number six because of that. So that was my number because I just love watching them growing up. Um, but yeah, legend in my eyes. Thank you. I'd agree with that, Catherine. You can come back anytime. Pal. <laughs> right, uh, on to yesterday's game. Uh, Chris, I'll start, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, Ross County, 4 0. Convincing result and, and, and a convincing performance. Uh, you know, I think it could have been a lot more if it was not for for, for Ross County's goalkeeper, the boy Laidlaw. I thought he had some tremendous saves. So, yeah, overall, a fairly routine day at the office and uh, aye, three points, well deserved. I think if, if you're going to come back from a really tough European night in midweek, 4-0 over Ross County, Ibrox is about as straightforward and as comfortable and as pleasing as you could have as you could have hoped for, it ticked, ticked all the boxes. Slightly surprised at the, at the team selection. I thought Gio might have mixed it up a wee bit more. Uh, that'll probably come in on Tuesday night now, but I thought the, it was really a, a professional performance. Went about, started well, good tempo about them, got the goals at good times, and as I say, got, it could easily have been five or six. I don't think we'd have got to nine, unfortunately, but it, it, it really could have been a lot more comfortable. Um, actually, almost felt sorry for Ross Laidlock. The goal that beat him also took a, a deflection off uh, Ben Purrington, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and until, until that point, he had made a couple of really good saves and kept kept County in it. If Rangers had scored in that first 10-15 minutes when they were on top, it could have been a whole lot worse for uh, for Malky uh, Mackay's side, but see, for Rangers' point of view, just really straightforward um, and on, onwards and upwards. Yeah, I, I, sticking with yourself, Chris, the, the starting 11, I mean, I, I was on the train coming through when, when the team was announced uh, and the first thing that stood out to me was just the one holding midfielder, you know, Gio's mm. he's been pretty sort of stubborn and, and going with two. Uh, obviously, the disappointing result last week at Easter Road, there is a feeling that you know, at the start of the season, that we haven't started games very, very well and, you know, we're not chasing teams and, and going after them as much as we should. Is that maybe a sign that he's thinking the same now that, you know, actually against some of these teams or okay in Europe, we go with the two sitting midfielders and, and try and protect things a wee bit. But at home against certain teams in domestic games, we we can we can afford to be a wee bit more attack minded. I think at, at Ibrox, every game apart from the Celtic game, I think he, he should now go with just the, 
and they go with just the one, even your your hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen's Ibrox, there's no reason to be giving them the respect to having two holding midfielders in there. You may, you may be see it at Easter Road, going to Petodre, certainly going to Parkhead. Every other game, I just don't see the I don't see the requirement for it. You're, you're, if you don't start positively and on the front foot and go at teams, you just allow them to settle in, you allow the opposition to get into the rhythm of the game. Ibrox gets a wee bit frustrated if, if there's no goal in the first 20 minutes and you just put pressure on yourself. I thought that the approach on Saturday was far more far more like it. The team mess the team selection sent a message of we're here to win this game early on, we're gonna put it to bed, and that's exactly what Rangers did. Catherine, coming coming to you now, the the, the the first sort of moment in the game was probably the most controversial moment in, involved James Sands. Yeah, I'm coming to you in this as your position as a, a defender and and how you would sort of feel about it. Now I've I've looked at the two incidents again today. I would argue they are both bookings. The first one, I would argue James Sands maybe has a, a good claim in the fact that he was fouled initially. That's up for debate. But he gets the booking uh, after he, you know, he fouls about uh, the boy after that. The second one, I mean, I would have to say it looks like a booking to me. Uh, as a defender, if you'd committed that, you know, how would you be feeling? Would you be looking at the referee thinking I could be in trouble here? Yeah, um, I think if I committed it, you just run away and hope that the ref <laughs> doesn't do anything about it. No, I think, I, I don't actually remember the first one. I've not seen it back. I've obviously seen the, the second one. I was at the game, but I've seen the second one back on social media. But I think second one probably was a yellow, yeah. But, you know, I, I also seen someone say on Twitter, you, these decisions even out. And obviously we know the, the lunchroom one last week got rescinded and then so... Um, I'm just going to take it as that's evening out for last week's sending off. Well, it's an interesting point. Is is that maybe in the back of Don Robertson's mind as as he makes that decision? He's thinking, well, there was a, a huge stushy last last weekend. The referee got it wrong. If, if I pull out the red this time and I've got it wrong, it could, it could lead to further problems. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't don't really know how refs would approach that, but I think. Maybe it was because it was quite early in the game, but still the first half, um, and he maybe didn't have a clear, clear idea of it. I think the first one as well. He's he's maybe realised that he could have potentially gave a foul against um, Sands in the first place, so maybe that was in the back of his head. But I think we got away with it, but um, comfortable winning the end, so not too bothered with the refs' decisions. Chris, is that a possibility? Don Robertson's thinking about you know what's happened last weekend and just thought, well, you know what, I, I, I need to be a hundred percent sure. I think he's probably just made, made the wrong decision. I, I don't know if in that split second, if that's enough time for that thought process to go through. I think the in, in all refereeing incidents, you're looking for the ref to make the right call, but then to make consistent calls. So you think back to Easter Road last week. The lonesome challenge that he sent off for was no worse than uh, Doyle Hayes earlier in the game. So if one's punishable that way, then another one has to be. If Sands' first yellow card is a yellow card, then I think the second one has to be a yellow card as well. Maybe an argument that the second one's actually a, actually a straight red. You're just asking for a bit of consistency from... It's not as if it's consistency from week to week and from referee to referee. It's guys making judgment calls on two not identical things because nothing is but two two situations that are very very similar but making yeah. two calls that are very very different I think that's what frustrates players and managers and fans and, and press because there's no 
there's no rhyme or reason why both incidents should have been treated differently. Um, but for, for whatever reason, Don Robertson decided that he would he would treat them differently. Um, I think you could you could tell by the fact that Sands came off at half at half time. Um, Rangers knew they got away with one, um, and of course they couldn't afford to they couldn't afford to take the risk. It, on a on a sort of side issue, Catherine, you know, as as, as Chris pointed out there. Uh, Sands came off at half time but I think it's worth pointing out that Leon King done very well when he came on you know the, the boy done very well yeah and that's the thing if you're if your goal's up and you want to get these younger players opportunities to play and I think he came on and didn't look out of place I think he just settled into the back four and obviously we got a clean sheet in the end so he's done his job just the, the, the first goal for Lundstrom uh, I mean I, I'm slightly of the, the opinion with Lundstrom that I don't, I don't think he's shown the levels that he showed towards the end of last season, if you know what I mean. I'm not saying he's playing particularly badly, but he's he's, he's certainly not hit the levels that he was at last season. Uh, but, you know, good goal. All right, took a slight deflection. But, you know, it, it was on target. He's had the, had the deflection for the, the defender. And, you know, good dig, good goal, all that kind of stuff. It's the type of thing that Rangers haven't done often enough. It's been a big bugbear of mine. Guys just just having a shot because yeah. from, from distance, how many times I was talking about trying to walk the ball and the net, being too intricate, being trying to be too clever. In those types of situations, teams are teams are setting up in that way. That goal's a perfect example of what happens if you just just chance your luck. When we are as as good a striker of the ball as as John Lundstrom is. There's no reason not to be having a, a pop from 20 to 25 yards every so often. If if it goes in straight away, great. If it takes a nick off your player, takes a nick off the defender and goes in, it's also the same outcome. So I think it's something that's been a bit more noticeable about the team this season. Um, also with Tillman in there, certainly with Tom Lawrence in there, the team do look a bit more willing to at least uh, have an attempt from a uh, distance. I think that's something the manager mentioned uh, during the summer as well, he, ha- he has to see that from the side a bit more, a bit more often. So I think the, the signs are certainly encouraging in that front. Is it, is, it, is it not the case as well, Chris? That you know we all we always talk about turning defenders in terms of facing their own goal. If if you, if you do get them facing their own goal, sometimes a cutback, then they've got to turn again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's it's not about the first wave of attackers that are coming in. It's about that second wave if you have time to runs. Obviously, Scott Arfield's quite good at this at coming in late. You know, some, sometimes it's all about that. You know, not just looking for who's who's in the box, who's outside, and it can have a dig. I think again, one of the main criticisms of last week Easter Road and of Geo's teams domestically have been that a bit predictable at times. It's sideways back, sideways back, go forward, sideways back, and it, it can become a bit too easy to to play against. But again, when you look at the the guys in the in the team now. Tillman not afraid to try something different. Lawrence can only drive on. As you say, Arfield can get on. We're expecting more from Ken. You need to get more from right in, in Matondo. There is players in there that can that can mix up the the team build up. Doesn't have to be the same the same rhythm and the same pattern all the time. And the more unpredictable they can be, I think the better results are going to be. Catherine, I, I, I want to talk about Scott right because I I think he gets you know he gets stuck, and I, I think a lot of it is unwarranted. I, I mean, I know. He has his feelings. I think sometimes the end product and the decision-making can sometimes be a bit off. But I always feel with, with players like that, if, you know, it's, it's the same with sort of most players that are Rangers. You know, if, if they were perfect in every way, they wouldn't be at Rangers anymore. You know, they would, they would be moving on to bigger and better clubs. And I just think Scott Wright gets too much stick. You know what I mean? And I think yesterday, again, you know, he, he was involved in the... 
the second goal, you know, a, a good cross for, for, for Cholak. It was him that, that sent Tav away for the cross for the fourth goal. And, you know, talking earlier on about, you know, he is someone who, I, th- I think he's someone who turns defences. Okay, he doesn't always get it wrong, especially when he goes and runs. Sometimes he, he makes the wrong decision, which was shown on Wednesday night in, uh, in Eindhoven when, you know, he had, he had a chance to lay off and, and try to run through and lost it. I think overall, I, I, I like Scott Wright. I think he brings a lot to the team. I really do. I, all right, he's, he's, he's no Michael Lout, he's only Brian Loudrop or David Cooper or any of those kind of guys. But I, I don't think he deserves the, the sort of level of stick that he gets. And I think yesterday he showed, and I think Gio seems to rate him as well because he, he is getting a lot of game time. And I think yesterday he showed that if, if you give him a chance, you know, he, he can sort of produce for the team. Yeah, I think um, the amount of games he's played under Gio, I think that speaks enough of what Gio thinks of him. I think you're right in that he does get a lot of stick, probably um, too much stick at times. But if you look at Kent as well, I think a wide position is a hard position to, to find that consistency. There's there's points in the game where Kent's unplayable and then there's other points in the same game where he's giving the ball away or getting tackled. I think when you're that type of player that likes 1v1 situations, you're not, you're not going to get them beat the defender all the time and I think as soon as Scott Wright kind of loses the ball you can you can hear the crowd but Groans, yeah. Um, yeah but I think the good thing about him is just because he lost the previous 1v1 he, he keeps going again and, and like you said just he's, he's created or played a part in two goals so I think um, I think if he scores against Celtic next week then um, all those critics will forget about it but I think I think he's he's obviously a good player for us and he's he's dangerous and he's got a lot of pace so and Gio keeps picking him as well, so that obviously shows what he thinks. Yeah, and I think he'll start next week. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think he'll start at Celtic Park. Uh, Chris, on to the big handsome striker that we've got. He has a, he has a bit of a handsome bastard, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, he just keeps on scoring. And, you know, another two yesterday, uh, i seen sports scene were saying that the first one was lucky. I suppose you could argue that, but there's no doubt about it. He's a penalty box striker and... You know, you could maybe argue outside the box, some of his, his you know, decision making and, and play isn't isn't outstanding. But it, it, it feels to me it's been a long time since we've had a sort of penalty box striker like that that you know going into games that he's probably going to score, if not one, then two. Uh, could have got his hat trick yesterday. If, if you know, I think Laidlaw had a, had a good save to deny him. You know, the, the guy got a wee bit of stick after. One game, I think, you know, <laughs> the game against Livingston when he didn't score, uh, you know, folk were giving him stick and obviously the European game against USG. But since then, he's just, you know, he's just been supreme. No, you, you just can't argue with the record. As, as you say, Colin, I think there's there's areas of his game that clearly aren't that, that strong. I don't think he holds the ball up that, that well in terms of a focal point of, of the attack. I think people still compare him to Morelos, which is unfair because they're two very different, two very different yeah. players, and Gio's asking different things from them. Cholak is the type of striker he has traditionally bought at, at Feyenoord and the, the the type of striker that he likes to have, uh, has to have in his in his team. If you look at him in terms of what he's good at and judge him on what he's good at, you just can't argue, you can't argue with the record. Uh, I think the, the criticism he got earlier on was probably a bit harsh overall, but. In, in those games, it, it was fair. I don't think in those games, he, he did do enough for the team. I don't think his performance overall uh, was at a level required. Since then, he's just really kicked on, been really impressive. Um, he comes across well as well. I spoke to him a couple of times. Nice big guy, clearly loves it at Rangers. 
knows what the club's all about, knows what he's here to do. Um, and since since he's come in, overall, you just can't argue with it. You just can't argue with the record. Yeah, like you're, you're saying there, you know, his performances weren't up to scratch. I, I kind of felt the service he was getting was, wasn't that great either. I think that's one of the things that the team certainly improved on over the last few weeks. I think that it's taken a bit of time for the rest of the players to actually know what his strengths yeah. are. If you put, put the ball in, in the right area, he will go after it. If, if you feed him in the right way, he clearly knows where the goal is. I think the in, in the run that he's in, certainly his early goals, they were all really instinctive ones. Even his, his goal on Saturday was an instinctive one. He knows where the goal is and he just knows he has to get some form of connection on it to put it across the goal in, in that area. Lucky, maybe, but I think there's a really like, a smart piece of improvisation there from him. I'm really impressed with it. I was really impressed with the goal. I think it has taken just those couple of games and a few weeks for the team to learn, look, this guy, he's not going to be a my loss. He's not going to go and drop deep and do the running and yeah. defenders and o- occupy defenders in the same way that he has, uh, that Alfredo has done for years. If you play to his strengths, you put the ball in the right areas, this guy will score your goals. Catherine, you know, as a, as a defender yourself, how, I mean, if you're walking out with a teammate who's got that level of consistency when it's when it comes to scoring goals, you know, that must give you confidence, you know, as a team knowing, well, we've got half a chance here because yeah. if we give this person a chance, they're going to score. Yeah, absolutely. I've said it for the last few games. I think I really like him. I think if he gets a chance, he'll score. I think yesterday I seen it was, what, nine goals in seven games or something like that. So he's here to score goals, I think. Our fans can be sometimes a bit critical straight away if they don't hit the ground running. I think it does take a few a few games for players to hit the ground um, running and, and get into that kind of match speed. But I think, you know, every game he plays, I think he's getting more and more exciting and he's obviously scored two at the weekend as well, a massive goal during the week. And like Chris was saying, he's just in the right place at the right time. I know the goal on Wednesday was a bit of fortune or it was a good press from Tillman, but... He was still there to put it away, and I think that's what type of striker he is. If you if you give him a chance, you'll be in that position to to put it away. Yeah, and he's got the best hairdo of any Rangers striker since Alan Nicoist. I think we can all agree on that. It's uh, it's a spectacular quiff. Uh, Chris Tom Lawrence, someone who I've got to be honest with you, the first couple of times you know I watched him, I just, I just wasn't seeing it. No, I'm not. I wasn't writing the guy off. Obviously, it takes time for for new players to come in. Uh, I would say yesterday, you know, you really saw, it, it, it strikes me as someone who's quite simple, you know, as little as touches as possible, but it, it, it's effective touches, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, he's obviously involved in that move for the for Cholak setting the third goal. Great sort of interchange, him, uh, Ken, and, and then it, it finishes with Cholak. He probably should have had a goal himself. Uh, I think it was Scott Wright put it over. I think he kind of tried to shoulder it in. Uh, I, I don't know if he made it with his head. But he probably should have scored. And, and obviously he had that wee touch as well for, for Stephen Davis's goal, the fourth goal. Mm. So, you know, and he, he's obviously scored last week at Easter Road. You know, big involvement through the week there. Starting to really look like a good piece of business, if you ask me. He was, it was a signing that I wasn't overly excited about. Um, when I first heard about it and I wrote about it, I, can, I have to say I, I was a bit sceptical. I thought it was a a championship-level player coming in to try and do a Champions League job. Um, but he's done a job in the Champions League for us, and he's he's certainly done the job that he's, he's passed for so far. The first couple of weeks, I think you saw wee glimpses of it, but you're now seeing it on a more regular basis. You're seeing him really dominate games and really play play throughout matches. 
as, as I say, he's, he's got a lovely touch. He's, he's got good vision. He takes up really good areas on the pitch. Um, and he's the type of guy I think Trollak actually needs because he's the type of guy he will he will get close to somebody, he will he will provide uh, support, he's got a bit of pace, and I've said he's he's not afraid to to try his luck from distance as well. So um having not not written him off early on, ha- having been sceptical and been a bit of a doubt o- over the over the merits of it, um certainly in the last few weeks he has he started to win me over. Yeah, I mean uh, Catherine, I mean the, the game at Easter Road last week. I was on the WhatsApp to my mate, you know, moaning about how poor we were playing and all the rest of it. And I literally messaged him saying, Lawrence has been really bad and he's been really poor. And literally 30 seconds later, he scored the heater. You know what I mean? So he has, he's, he's making, you know, he's, he's, as Chris said there, you know, he's making him sort of rethink, you know, what, what he thought of him as a signing. He'd done it to me within 30 seconds and me saying he was shite. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he is starting to, to, to really sort of, stand up and, and, and become an important player for the club. Yeah, see, I think I was the opposite when, when I heard we were signing him. I was actually quite excited about it. I think I've seen his stats and what Chris was touching on earlier with Lundstrom's goal at the weekend. I don't think we, we did take enough shots last year and that was one thing that, that Tom Lawrence was known for was taking shots from outside the box and I think um, he's he's really looked good. I think there was one of the European games, he was he was brilliant, the home leg at Ibrox. Um, I thought he was really good and I think, as again, I think the more they get used to the players they're playing with, I think the better they're going to get throughout the season and I'm really excited to see see how well he does in the Champions League as well. Chris, on as I said earlier on about the, you know, the, the sort of system that he played yesterday with just the one sort of sitting midfielder. You know, it, it struck me for a wee while about sort of Geo's tactics and how fluid he is and how much he changes things in a game, you know, right. in game. So it looked to me, I always find it quite difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the governing rear looking down. I'm always trying to work out, you know, what the formation is. And it looked to me, like when the game started yesterday, it was, it was almost like a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Mm. Then in the second half, early doors, it was four, one, two, three, and then once the game was sort of done and dusted, we, we, we reverted to the two holding midfielders, just just the one sort of number ten, and, and, and we were playing a sort of two one, uh, sorry, a four two one three. And I, I was just thinking, you know, like back in the day, you know, when I was sort of younger and all the rest, yeah, it, it was four four two, you know, and, and that was pretty much it. You know, I mean, that that's pretty much what every team played, and you know, I, I think I think Lawrence was. The, the main striker towards the end yesterday, you know, he's sort of playing number nine and, and it, it, it does strike me that Van Bronckhorst encourages his team, you know, to be fluid in terms of the shape and positions and all that kind of thing and, and ask people to play positions that they're not totally, you know, known for. I'm not going to say comfortable with because that, that would be unfair on, on some of the players. But, you know, I don't, I don't view Tom Lawrence as a striker, but towards the end yesterday, he was playing number nine. And it, and it just make, it makes you think that he's always thinking during the game, you know, always trying to solve the problems, always looking for the next thing to do. Uh, I, I know he's had some criticism about his substitutions, but some of his substitutions have, have actually been genius, you know, and, and have worked a treat, especially in Europe. So it, it does strike me as a manager who's thinking all the time during the game, you know, and, and what to do and how to change and influence things. I think it, it speaks to... One Geo's adaptability has has tactical nous and how how smart he is, how switched on he is to not just have a, a plan at the start of the game, but to then change that plan and adapt it and evolve it over over the course of it. 
I think it also speaks to the, the adaptability of, of the squad. It's not just guys who are very set in, in one position. You look at the forward areas, uh, especially, there's guys that can move move almost right across. They can move up, they can move back. I say Lawrence can easily play in the middle of the park. He could play wide, he could play one forward. As you say, uh, the weekend he was all uh, playing as the, as the main striker for the last few minutes. I, I think it, it bodes well for the squad that they do have those do have those options. There's a lot of games coming up, a lot of big games coming up. The whole squad will be needed. And if you've got a manager that can think on his feet and it can adapt, and you've got players that can think on their feet and adapt, it will help Rangers solve a lot of problems over the next over this run, basically between now and the and the World Cup break. Catherine, from, from your experience, is, is is that something that you feel is coming more into the game? That coaches are asking players to be more adaptable and, and you know fluid and switch into systems and positions. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we saw a lot uh, last year in the European run as well how how adaptable the team was. Um, you know, we played different systems when we were home as opposed to the way. And I think, um, like you were saying there, we we changed formation quite a lot throughout one yeah. game yesterday as well. Um, in t- in terms of fluid as well, I think players are all over the pitch. I mean, I don't know if if you've noticed how many runs Goldson's making forward right now. He nearly scored yesterday and early on, and he done it. He done it the last game as well. I don't know if it's because I'm centre back and I'm watching, but he's he's making forward passes and then he's just continuing his runs. But yeah, he obviously feels comfortable that he's got that support behind him where he can go forward. And if we do lose the ball, we've got the the right players behind him to to kind of back him up. Somebody behind me shouted, uh, "Gone Beckenbauer at one of his runs <laughs> forward yesterday." But you could argue it put James Sands in the situation that he ended up in. You know, one yeah. point forward, and all of a sudden he's he's the only central defender. But yeah, I, I did notice that yesterday about goals, and you're right. You know, he, he was making uh, runs forward a, a wee bit like Bagheera used to do back in the day. Uh, so yeah, ah, it's good. I mean, it's good. I, I do think Geo. I mean, obviously, there's who can I put it. I don't want to say that Gio hasn't convinced the supporters yet, but domestically, because of what happened last season, you know, every sort of wee dunt that they get on the road, uh, you know, I just see grumblings and hear people moaning and stuff like that, especially on social media. But when I'm watching the games, you know, you, you can see there's a, there's a lot of thought for, for Gio and his team in terms of what they're trying to do. And, and, and hopefully, hopefully it'll work out right this season. Uh, right, before we go on to our next topic, guys, I have to mention one of our, uh, our other uh, partners at Football Prizes who are currently offering you the opportunity to win a Paul Gascoigne signed and custom framed Rangers shirt. Entry is £3.95 with a maximum number of 199 tickets available. Uh, the winner will be picked this Wednesday. Uh, it'll be live on the Football Prizes Facebook page from 12pm. Uh, if you want an opportunity to win that, get yourself onto www.footballprizes.co.uk. Uh, so we'll move on to the next topic, Chris. Uh, Catherine, you can sit out this one for, for, for the moment because uh, we're talking about one of your colleagues, so it's probably best that you sit out it. Uh, Alfie, Chris, uh, so Gio said yesterday, obviously there was a situation last week, uh, he was dropped from the squad, going out to Eindhoven. Gio said yesterday that you know further talks will be held. I think it's either, it was either going to be today or tomorrow or at some point this week. It appears to me that he's he's indicating that the door is still open to 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 Alfredo Morelos. You know, if 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 he, if he fixes his behaviour and stuff like that, it would appear that going by social media and all the rest of it, that Alfie still very much feels part of this team. Congratulating the guys for the result on Wednesday and all that. 
where do you think the situation is at the moment? I thought the manager handled it really interesting. Last last week was the opening open for the if the press conference. I think if Morelos was done at Rangers, it would have been clear in the way that Gio answered the questions that he was he was done. But I thought he he was almost like fun but fair last week. He, he clearly said enough to let everybody know that Morelos had let himself down, let the manager down, let his teammates down, but offered enough of an olive branch to say, look, we know you've you've not been at it the last few weeks, but if you want to be, there is still a place in this in this team for you. I know he then spoke about it again in uh, post-match. I thought it was really pointed that he said, you know, Morelos, is, he's, he's earned Champions League as well and he's pleased for his, his teammates. Um, and almost every time Gio's spoken, it's another wee positive step towards Morelos eventually coming back in. Ultimately, it all rests on Alfredo's shoulders. If he wants to be a Rangers player and he's committed to Rangers and committed to the team and what the manager's trying to do, there's a place there for him. If he decides over the next couple of days that Rangers isn't for him, there's no option but to you know, cash in their chips, get as much as they can for him, try and get a replacement in and, and move on. Um, that Gio said yesterday that the meeting was due to take place today, so we won't find out until the next time that he, he speaks how that how that meeting has, has gone. But I got the impression from the manager he still wants Morelos to be part of his team, but only if Morelos is, is fully committed to the committed to the cause. Have, have circumstances sort of worked against Alfie in this? Because, I, I mean, I would argue in previous years, you know, Rangers' hand was wouldn't have been particularly strong, you know, because we, we, we did depend on him so much, you know. And, I, I mean, I know he's getting a lot of criticism, which I think is deserved, but I, don't, I also don't think we should forget the contribution he's made. I mean, I mean that period in Gerrard's first season in the... Europa League, you know, against Feyenoord and Porto and stuff like that. I mean, he was on another level then in terms of the goals that he was scoring. Uh, and, and he scored vital goals all throughout his, his Rangers career. However, he's, he's also let us down on a, on, on a numerous occasion. But I think previously, you know, for example, when he, when when you know, Gerrard dropped him from the, the, the squad against Hearts in the Scottish Cup, Gerrard probably didn't have a strong hand at that particular point because there was no real other options available to him. So, you know, he had to get him fit and get him back in the team. You know, Cholak arriving, has that given Rangers now the opportunity to say, actually, you know what, you do need to change your ways here or, or the game's a bogey? I think so. I think that because there has to come a point where even his teammates just completely switch off. And he's asked the uh, Conor Goulson that uh, last week. And he'd asked, answered, already answered a few questions on it and uh, almost kind of fudged it, which was fine because he had, 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 had to address it uh, fairly substantially. But there must be a point where even the, the guys in the team that have been with him through that journey know what he's capable of, just want to say, look, you want to just knock this in the head. You're, you're either with us or you're not. If Morelos decides he's with us, he has to be fully on board, has to change his ways, sign a new contract and go on and be the player again that we all know he can be. If there's any any hint that in a couple of weeks or a couple of months he's going to go back to the he's going to go back to these ways, he's going to lose his, his focus, he's going to lose his fitness, his sharpness. End of the day, no player is irreplaceable. As great as, as he is on his day, as wonderful a player as he has been over his over his time, no player is bigger than the no no player is bigger than the football club. And he must now see Cholak scoring almost week after week, thinking I'm he's actually got a fight on his hands it's not a case of get myself fit and I walk straight back into the team he is still the best striker at the club but he's only the best striker at the club 
if he's fit and his head's in the right place. Is, is there a possibility that, you know, you know the, 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 the scenario I'm thinking about, the incident I'm thinking about is Andy Gorham, you know, and Walter Smith put him on the transfer list, you know, since maybe 30 years ago now, you know, Gorham wasn't living correctly and wasn't wasn't setting, wasn't displaying the standards that were required from, from a Rangers player. Walter Smith slapped him on the transfer list, told him he was out of the club and, and Gorham sort of buckled down. You know, given the given the money that's came in, you know, from from the sales of Bassey and Aribo and, and Parson, and the fact that the Champions League cash is now coming through the door as well, so Rangers can afford the replacement for Morelos. Plus, mm-hmm. they have Cholak. Is this the kick up the arse he maybe needs? You know, is this is this what he needs to sort of focus the mind? If it's not, then there's probably no hope for him. If if he sees all all those things happening, all those pieces falling into place. And he still doesn't realise that he's the biggest problem here, unfortunately, no matter what circumstances there are round about him. end of the day, if he's at it and he's on it and he wants to be part of it, then, then he is. If he decides that he can't really be bothered and he's late for training or his conditioning's not right or his, his mentality's not right, end of the day, it's Alfredo's fault. It's not it's not anybody else's fault. And the, the social media posts with the with the cryptic messages and they're they're all fine and well and some of the fans might buy into it. But eventually he'll lose the support of the fans as well because the fans need him on the pitch. The the fans need and want the best Alfredo Morelos that they can be. And if he's not much like his teammates at some point, they're going to need to cut your cloth and say, look, I'm sorry, but we've given you so much support. We love you, but at some point something has to give you um, and if it doesn't give in Alfredo's head it'll give in terms of a transfer Is, is there also an argument final point before we move on uh, Chris is there also a point that he's you know we've, we've heard all these rumours through, through through every year practically since he's been at the club that you know this club's in from that club's in from you know 10 million 15 million 20 million all this kind of stuff you know, and, and, and when he was at his sort of peak, there was loads of speculation about him being moved on. Is there an argument to say that he's he's undermined his own career or something? I would think so. Um, but whether whether he realises that, time, time will tell. Um, I thought it was interesting the way that Rangers briefed against him last week and really kind of called out his, his attitude and his, his professionalism in, in many ways. And I don't think... You could have gone that strongly against them if Rangers wanted to sell him. If you are if you're looking to flog somebody, you don't basically come out and tell the whole world that he doesn't care and he's not fit and his his mentality's not right. So I think the the way that they went about it last week in terms of how they briefed, but then also how the manager how the manager spoke and addressed it so well, they clearly see a way back for him. They clearly I still think want want him to be part of it. Um but as I said, that that only happens if if Alfredo wants to be part of it, and the next next coming days will next coming days will uh, ultimately determine that. Yeah, right, guys. Before we move on, uh, I have to mention our final partners at Zenith Coins, who produce the official Rangers Club coin. Uh, each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the inner rim, and comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and certificate of authenticity. Uh, a rake of famous supporters, including Alan McCoy, Derek Johnson, Marvin Andrews, Tom Saltman, and Gordon Ramsay, all own uh, one of the collections. Zenith have also produced a 150th anniversary collection. Uh, there's only 1,872 sets worldwide. 
Uh, they are released in small batches. There are five iconic milestones in the coins, which are the founded fathers, Ibrook Stadium, uh, the 1972 Cup Winners' Cup win, uh, nine in a row, and 55th league title. Uh, if you want more information on that, uh, visit www.senefcoins.com. Uh, right, guys, on to the probably the best news of the week, actually, to be fair, uh, the fact that Rangers are back in the Champions League after a long time. Was it 12 years, something like that? It, ju- it just feels like a very, very long time. And, and through that whole journey coming back up, there were times I doubted if it was ever possible for Rangers to be back in the Champions League. Catherine, I'll come to you. I mean, I, I don't know how you felt watching the draw or if you were watching the draw at all. I mean, when I saw Ajax and Liverpool in the same group, I was like, that's 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 a group I want just get us in that group uh, and and that that's how it turned out Napoli are obviously in there as well I mean it's going to be a tough ask I mean you know as, as well as Rangers have played in Europe over the last four or five years you know we'll, we'll be doing well to finish third in that group and, and secure Europa League but some huge nights to come over the next couple of months you know and and when you consider where Rangers have been over the last 10 years uh, it's it's Quite a journey, actually. The, the, the fact that these nights, you know, Ajax, Liverpool, and Napoli are, are going to be coming Ibrox. Yeah, it was so exciting. I remember watching the draw, and, and obviously they kind of t- tell you what groups are available for each team when they, they get they come out. And I think we were left with groups A and C at one point, but Group C was the one with Barcelona and Bayern Munich as well. So I thought it, uh, we're probably better with Group A, but um, it would have been exciting however we got. But obviously. Liverpool and Ajax as well, Bassey coming back, that will be exciting. But at the end of the day, whatever group we were in, we're going to have a tough time. Um, but that's the Champions League for you. It's just so exciting for the club to be back in the Champions League. And I think it's what the fans want. It's, it's what the players would want to be playing against the, the best. So um, really exciting and just looking forward to the nights at Ibrox. The Leipzig atmosphere last year was incredible and it's just going to be like that every, every Champions League. And and just hearing the Champions League music at the start as well will get the crowd going and you never know what could happen at Ibrox. I was going to ask you that. In terms of the dates, did they clash with any any of your games in the Champions League? Are you going to manage to get to the games at Ibrox? I think we should be all right. The best thing is now that we're in the Champions League, it won't um, move a lot of the games to the Sunday because that was the issue with the Europa League. Obviously, the Thursday and Sundays, we play all, all of our games on a Sunday, so we missed a lot of the league games, but... Um, I think we should hopefully be all right. Um, our next Champions League dates, I think, are the twenty first and twenty eighth of September, so they might they might clash. But um, I'm sure we'll still we'll still be keeping an eye on the result either way. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Chris, as I said earlier on, you know when, when you consider what Rangers were even just five years ago, you know you know with Pedro standing on the hedge and all that kind of stuff. But when you take the bigger context and. Go back the full sort of ten years, you know, going into the lower leagues and that kind of stuff. I mean, it is, it's it's been an impressive journey, especially since Stephen Gerrard arrived, which we'll, we'll we'll discuss a little bit later on. You know, the last five years has been an incredible upturn in terms of fortunes and all that kind of thing. Do you feel that you know this is the final step in recovery? Can we stop talking about the journey now? You know, because that's been a lot of the narrative over the last few mm-hmm. years. This is all part of the journey. This is all part of the journey, part of the recovery of the club. You know, we've reached a European final last season. We're now in the Champions League. We've obviously had, you know, we're, we're doing particularly well in terms of the player sales and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of money coming back into the club. It feels like the club is finally in a, a sort of stable, sort of financial footing. 
does this feel like the final stage of the journey? Is is, is the journey over now? I'll be back where we belong. It's probably quite a difficult one to answer because I think every, everyone will have a different view on when it okay when it finished. That was something when I was doing the book after the fifty five season. It was something I asked a lot of guys, and it, for a lot of people, it was winning the league title again, marked the Rangers were back ten years after after starting out in, in the third division. The winning fifty five was it to then surpass that and get to a European final and come so close. Maybe other guys are saying no. That at that stage, that must be it. Champions League has always had that that end point feel about it, not just playing qualifiers like we did against Malmo last year and against PSV this year. Group stage football has, has always been something you can hold up and say this is this is Rangers back, not just from a financial point of view, but by mixing it with European heavyweights back where we belong, back at the stage that we all grew up watching and knowing the, knowing the club to be at. So I think a lot of people will have their own opinion on when the journey ended, but I think we can probably consign that particular phase to the uh, to history books now. But with you, Catherine, I mean, we went from the ball being stuck in the hedge to, you know, we're going to be walking out of Ibox in front of full houses against Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli. In your opinion, does, does this feel like the end of the journey that, you know, parity is almost restored? Because it, even when Rangers won 55, as, as Chris pointed out there, some folk felt that was the moment when we were back. I always felt financially we were still depending on, you know, directors at the club and soft loans and all that kind of thing. The, the amount of money that's coming into the club now, it feels to me that, that that's the foundation set again. You know, we're, we're now self-sufficient. You know, we've, we've reached that point of we're in the Champions League group stages. We've got the money that comes with that. We've, We've recruited well over the last few, few years and we're selling them at a profit. It, it just feels like the self-sufficiency part feels to me like that's the end of the journey. Is, is that how it feels for you? Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think um, when I was growing up, that was the, the Rangers and Champions League is what, what I kind of remember. So I think, like you said, the financial um, gains that we get from it as well, there was no hiding it leading up to the match, how, how important it would be in terms of um, finances. And I think Obviously, it was frustrating that we had kind of done so well in Europe and, and got that automatic Champions League spot. And then obviously, we didn't win the league last year. So I think the fact that we've went through the playoffs as well to get, get into the group stages, it makes it all that better. And I think definitely this this is hopefully the end of the journey now. And we're, we are definitely back where we should be now. Chris, on that, you know, if, if this does mark the end of the journey, so to speak, uh, I, I do feel now. I was I was pretty pissed off when he left, but Stephen Gerrard's under a wee bit of stick. You know, Aston Villa lost again today under a bit of pressure. You know, when you consider, I think I've got Aston Villa, I've got Arsenal, and then Man City over the next couple of weeks. You know, uh, I, I, it doesn't look good for him. It's probably the best way of putting it. Uh, I'm seeing a few Rangers supporters sort of kind of laughing at him and you know giving him a bit of stick and all that thing, but. I, I, I think we do need to remember. I mean, as I said, I was pretty pissed off with how we'd done it and when he left. But time's a great healer. And I think, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we have to look back and and appreciate that where we are in Europe, Stephen Gerrard was a huge part in that. You know, he, all right, it wasn't him that got us to the final last season, but he laid that foundation. You know, he was a he was a guy that gave us that consistency in Europe, which, by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm 50 in March. This is probably the, the most consistent Rangers have been in my Rangers supporting life, you know, over a sort of a three, four, five year period. I keep on saying to my son, this is going to end at some point. You, you know, you can't expect this to be the case every single season. And I think, you know, 
I just think we need to remember that Stephen Gerrard was a huge part of that. You know, him and Michael Beale and, and Gary McAllister, you know, they came in and, and, and gave us that belief. And you know, I can remember that, that season we qualified for the group stages of the Europa League, feeling, oh my God, we're in the group stages of the Europa League. You know, and then we get out the group stages in terms of qualifying for the last 32 and then the last 16, and then we eventually make the final. You know, and now we've come through to really tricky ties to get to the, the Champions League group stages. He was part of that journey. He wasn't the guy that got us over the line, but he deserves his place in history, I think. I, I don't really get the, the, the snidiness is maybe not the not the right word, but I don't get the kind of glee that some people are taking yeah. it and Stephen struggles in it. Well, it's it's not looking good for him and he obviously faces a bit of a, a bit of an uphill task to try and turn that around. But no, I, I don't get the animosity towards him. I think circumstances dictated it was probably time for him to leave in an ideal world I think he would have left at, at the end of last season um, and that would have taken away a lot of the, the kind of anger towards him but the circumstances at that time meant that he almost had to leave when he did I can understand why people were upset at how it, how it unfolded but I, I don't get the continued it's almost like a spurned lover no, he's, he's moved yeah. up he's, he's somewhere else I, I think Rangers fans and I wish him all the I wish him all the best and as, as you say, Colin, just remember what he did for the club. He, he was the right man at, at the right time. It was going to take, and uh, not going into that uh, first season after after Pedro, it was going to take someone of his his stature, his his standing, his his standards to really drive Rangers forward. Um, and if he hadn't come in at, at that time, Rangers wouldn't be where they are just now. The, the European record, the the money earned, um, helped to rebuild that squad. You could tell that that night, Ufa, he he knew how important it was to get group stage football. The whole the whole Gerard project kicked on from kicked on from that night in terms of signings and building into Europa League and really Rangers hold, hold their own once again after the the farce that had been Pedro in, in progress. Rangers became a European force un, under Gerard at, at that level. She was then taking that on. Um, I say the the job that Stephen Gerard did for the time that he was here. Stands on its own on its own merits, and I said I don't quite get the the animosity towards him. People who taking a bit of a bit of pleasure in, any, in his uh, struggles at present. Yeah, well, but you, Catherine. I mean, I think Chris makes a good point there. You know, when you consider where Rangers were in Europe under Pedro and the standards that you know they they'd slipped dramatically. I mean, I felt just by walking through the door, Stephen Gerrard lifted the standards of the place. But everything that he's done, I mean. Know, everyone will point to the league in 55, but I, I genuinely think the stuff that he done in Europe, you have to remember that, you know, and, and, like, and as Chris says, I think there's a lot of short memories going on here when we, when we look at, you know, Stephen Gerrard's current position and too much sort of gloating and sort of, I don't want to say snidiness as, as Chris was saying there, but some short memories out there, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with what Chris was saying. I think um, I don't understand why people wouldn't want him to do well. I think, he, he came in, he, he stopped he stopped the attainment, he got us a, that league title that we, we all wanted so badly. And I think from that moment on, you know, whatever Gerard done, however long he stayed after that, um, I always wanted him to do well because he, he brought that winning feeling back to Rangers. And, you know, obviously we've done we done brilliantly in Europe. I think Gio's came in and just picked up on the squad that he's inherited and, and continued to improve it. So I think We've got to remember how how much of a squad that Gerard and and Michael Beale and stuff um, built for us, and I think you know I really want him to turn it around the villa. I want to see him do well, and I think he'll just be gutted. Obviously, we've got Liverpool in the Champions League, yeah. but 
Um, but as I said, I think Gio, since he's come in, has done brilliantly. And, you know, I, I just want Gerard to do well. He's he's um, he's gave us all a good memory in that league title. So um, hopefully he can turn things around. Yeah, he broke my heart the way he left. But, you know, time's a great healer, as they say. And I, I, I don't want to see him struggling the way he's struggling at the moment so yeah I, I just think some supporters need to remember what he done for the club right guys final point for tonight uh, linked to the Champions League and the, the money that's coming in to the club via that and the fact that the uh, the transfer window closes on Wednesday I believe is it the 1st of September I think Chris any further movement this week do you think I, I have the feeling we might get one more in uh, what are you thinking uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's business in, in and out. I, I think if you look at the, the outs, there's guys there that are probably too too far down the uh, pecking order. Like I said, Mr. Carl, I wouldn't be surprised if if he moved on. Um, I think if they could find buyers for, for Ruth and Hollander, then, then they would do, but also injury issues probably won't prevent that at present. In terms of incomings, I think there will be another another attacking one. Um, I'm still not convinced we have the right options uh, wide right so if there was one if there was one position I'd, I'd probably go for somebody that can play wide right and also uh, play through the middle not asking too much there I know but um, I think I think that's probably the two the two days of the of the side I think they could do with another another striker um, just to provide a wee bit back up or a goal threat from uh, from wide because I, I, if you look at the guys that are there Kent, Wright, uh, Matondo I don't see them contributing enough in terms of in terms of goals over the over the course of the season. So a goal a goal scoring winger a goal scoring winger sorry would be my uh, would be my preference. Well, were you, Catherine? Are you hoping for some business this week? Yeah, I think um, it's always it's always good just to strengthen the squad. So I'm sure I'm sure they'll be doing the work behind the scenes, and obviously then come guaranteed now from the Champions League I'm sure they'll be they're trying to strengthen the, the the squad we'll have a lot of games again with the, the European games and we know how, how busy the schedule gets so I think they'll definitely be, be looking to bring people in I'm not sure what position really but I think maybe the right the right winger position could be possibly an option but it'll be exciting to see see what happens this week And what about your own squad you're looking for some incomings as well? Oh, I have no idea I don't, don't comment on that I think we've got we have got a really good squad this year, um, so that's up to the coaches and stuff. I'll I'll stay with that. I <laughs> uh, probably probably best, probably best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. On that note, I, I think we'll we'll call time in this week's show. Uh, so a big thanks to to Chris and to Catherine uh, for coming on. Uh, it's the first time I've had a, a Rangers player on, so thanks for coming on, Catherine. Uh, I should I should remind you all that the, the podcast was live tonight. Uh, we were live on a Sunday night, but it will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Casper, Stitcher, Spotify, all your usual places. As I said, big thanks to, to Chris and to Catherine for uh, their contribution tonight. Uh, we'll have a preview show out on Friday night for the whole firm game next week, so to tune into that. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. In the meantime, guys, see you next week and bye for now.